The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather this Lord's Day as those who in spirit desire a balance, to balance, a love of learning with a sense of meaning, a pride in knowledge with a respect for goodness, the thrill of discovery with the power of recovery, or as Charles Wesley sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. On this Sunday, when our ecclesiastical lectionary is Matthew 25, our organizational academic lectionary is the American Academy of Religion, our national lectionary is Thanksgiving, and our local lectionary is Bach. We welcome you. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
may we pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 123 with the antiphon. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to our Lord, our God, until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Glory be to God. 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you, have hand, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not get scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Elie Wiesel said, he who hears a witness becomes a witness. He reminds us of who we are at Boston University. Martin Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. He reminds us of who we are in religious life. Thomas Merton said, love is my identity. Love is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. He reminds us of who we are as Christian people. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. He reminds us of who we are at Marsh Chapel. Come and join us. Come and join us this year in worship and fellowship and discipleship. 
Come and join us in this season of remembrance. Come especially today amid the beauties of Bach and the rituals of Thanksgiving to remember your humanity, fragility, mortality, eternity. Death makes us mortal. Facing death makes us human. Bach today and the scripture every day sing out to us, God is at work in the world to make and keep human life human. The desire of the moth for the flame, of the night for the morrow, the devotion to something afar from the sphere of our sorrow, the desire of the moth for the flame, of the night for the morrow, the devotion to something afar from the sphere of our sorrow. So, Shelley. El anhelo de la inmortalidad, the longing for immortality. El anhelo de la inmortalidad, the longing for immortality. So, Miguel de Unamuno. Our cantata today sings of heaven. The cantata sings out for what lasts, what matters, what counts. Lao Tzu wrote, the reality of the vessel is the shape of the void within it. At the heart of the human being, there is a longing for God, for heaven, for eternity. Pause for a minute. Sometimes that longing has an overture in other forms of emptiness, of lack, of longing. One autumn, following a brief pastoral conversation, you could see lingering on the leaf-pocked porch step a woman at young middle age, For a variety of reasons, common enough in her whole life, she had really no real friends. Until by grace in the years before, and by grace in the Church of Christ, she had found a friend, made a friend, become a friend, been befriended by another woman of her own age with children, of the same ages, husbands of the same baleful tempers, parents of the same haunting failings. She had a friend. If you have a friend, and one is a great number in a lifetime, then you know. But in June that year, her friend moved a long way away. And come November, there was that ache, that emptiness, that longing that shape of the void within. To date, on that date, no other friend had come along to fill that void. And you? Can you conjure your own such longing? If only I had finished my degree. If only I had fallen in love, 
If only I had really discerned a calling. If only I had just kept that job. If only I had more loving parents. If only I could put words to the pre-dawn presentiments of what I think is faith. If only someone would notice that I can be a good pal. If only I could shake off this daily anxiety. If only someone would publish my book. If only I could get the grace to forgive what he or she did to me. If only my parents would see my beloved as I see him. If only I could wake up once with a full smile. If only he would see me as I really am. And you, can you conjure your own such longing? The more proximate longings can prefigure the ultimate longing in its own full way unspeakable but not for that reason any less real. The desire of the moth for the flame, of the night for the morrow, the devotion to something afar from the sphere of our sorrow. Death makes us mortal. Facing death makes us human. Pastoral experience in the main shows that most of us, most of the time, do not fear death, but we do fear. And what we fear is the death of our loved ones and the death of our dreams. What we do fear is the death of our loved ones and the death of our dreams. Maybe something like that is behind St. Matthew's rendering of the inherited parable today, his anger, his burning dyspepsia. Said a faithful Anglican just two weeks ago, how much longer do we have to hear from Matthew and the dark side? How long? Not long. Not long. Yet Matthew's recognition of the human failures in the human condition, we do recognize now in our own year, our own years of humiliation. The longing, that heaven-shaped soul emptiness, that desire, angelo, abides how does Bach sing this today? In this year's Bach experience, we have been focusing on cantatas Bach composed in his first weeks in Leipzig when he became the cantor at the Thomas Church. His task was to provide a musical explication of the day's lessons alongside the sermon. These cantatas, comprising solo arias, resets, choruses, chorales with librettos using both scripture and free poetic texts typically last about 20 to 30 minutes. 
In this context, it was Bach's task to work through the theological ideas at hand. Each cantata is a masterpiece in miniature. And we continue to marvel together at the astonishing invention, creativity, and complexity revealed note by note. Cantata 95, Christus der ist mein Leben, takes up one of the most difficult but ubiquitous themes of Bach's day, how to reconcile and countenance our own mortality. Our program annotator writes in in this year's Listener's Companion, Consider that pre-Enlightenment Germany saw death and devastation in the Thirty Years' War unknown to Europe since the 14th century, and that Bach himself was orphaned at age 10, he lost his first wife, and 10 of his 20 children. Death was all around. The promise of immediate salvation cultivated a cultural longing for it and served as a powerful call to faith. Serving to teach, remind, and also to comfort, Bach drew on four different familiar hymns or chorales that serve as the foundation in this, our seven-movement cantata. These tunes and text serve as a beacon to the believer, a tuneful and memorable transmission of theology. I'll quote the chorale text in part. Christ, he is my life, to die is my gain. To it do I surrender myself, with joy I go yonder. With peace and joy, I go there according to the will of God. Death has become my sleep. I would bid you farewell, you evil, false world. In heaven, it is good to dwell. Since Christ has arisen from the dead, I will not remain in the grave. Your last word is my ascension. Death's fear you cannot drive away. For where you are, there do I come that I may always live and be with you. Therefore, I depart with joy. These chorales establish the orthodoxy around which the believer can begin to reconcile his own personal response and call. Musically, the four chorales chorales settings also offer a compositional guide to the possibility of how to set these tunes. The first is set as an orchestral chorale fantasia, with each phrase of the chorale set off by exuberant motives in the oboes and strings, all in G major. The second, heard at the conclusion of the first movement, casts the chorus in counterpoint with the oboes and horn, set over a more rhythmic walking bass line. The soprano soloist takes up the third chorale in a little aria that becomes a sweet devotional song, with two oboes de mori in unison encouraging her song. The cantata concludes with a four-part setting of the fourth chorale in an expected way with the notable addition of the fifth voice as a descant in the first violin part. The most remarkable music of the entire cantata is reserved for the tenor soloist who, through his clarity of faith, teaches Bach's congregants a possibility of their own personal attitudes toward mortality. His music in the central aria is sung almost in spite of the music of the instruments, which seem to proceed on their own clock. The aural image here is one of funeral bells or a glockenspiel in a bell tower. The strings play entirely pizzicato or without the bow, plucked, and the organ remains silent throughout the movement. You can imagine this sound as the inner workings of a clock 
played in precise and regular rhythms and patterns. The two oboes play above in parallel harmony. The missing third note of their chord is obscured in the pizzicatos of the first violin part. And to my ear, at least, this further contributes to the mechanized sound of this music, a leichenglock, or a funeral bell. The tenor joins up musically with the instruments every time he sings the words Zelgestunde, or blessed hour, singing that third or missing note from the oboe pattern. There is so much within these pages, within every measure, for us to observe. And there are so many choices here from the composer, revealing a musical reality the likes of which only a Johann Sebastian Bach could imagine. I once heard from the dean of the chapel that one of the happier thoughts of John Calvin was to say that nature is the garment in which God's beauty is concealed and revealed. And the same is true in the music of Bach, by every note and every measure, we have God's revelation revealed to us bar by bar. Some of you have been reading again the Confessions of St. Augustine in Sarah Rudin's new translation. Like the music of Bach, the music of his poetic prose, his prosaic poetry, lasts and matters and counts. Augustine lifts our eyes from earth to heaven, from the visible to the invisible, from the daily to the divine, and Bach does the same. Augustine, in powerful particularity, teaches us again to pray. In a word for him, prayer is thanksgiving. All right, in four words for him, prayer is grace, courtesy, respect, and gratitude. Prayer is not a spiritual hockey puck hit by slapshot toward the masked goalie god. Prayer is being thankful, giving thanks, bespeaking gratitude. Howard Thurman knew this so well. As the student choir of his Morehouse College sang Thursday morning to honor Thurman's birthday in prayer, we give thanks too, and so each year at Marsh Chapel on this Sunday, so close to his birthday, we close uh, to our, and so close to our nation's holiday, on this Sunday so set apart to honor the grateful and to honor gratitude, we offer Thurman's own thanksgiving prayer, a portion thereof. You may, by the way, take it from the website to your own thanksgiving table should you want or need or like it. It is our gift to you, count it our annual public service. Today I make my sacrament of thanksgiving. I begin with the simple things of my days, fresh air to breathe, cool water to drink, the taste of food, the protection of houses and clothes, the comforts of home. For all these I make an act of thanksgiving this day. I remember the fruits of labors of countless generations who lived before me, without whom my own life would have had no meaning, the seers who saw visions and dreamed dreams, the prophets who sensed a truth greater than the mind could grasp and whose words would only find fulfillment 
in the years which they would never see, the workers whose sweat has watered the trees, the leaves of which are for the healing of the nations, the pilgrims who set their sails for lands beyond all horizons, whose courage made paths into new worlds and far-off places, the saviors whose blood was shed with a recklessness that only a dream could inspire and only God could command. For all this I make an act of thanksgiving this day. All these and more than mind can think and more than heart can feel, I make as my sacrament of thanksgiving to thee, our Father, in humbleness of mind and simplicity of heart.
Not das Ende aller Not in meinen Gliedern könnte sieh. Ich wollte ihn zu meinem Leib gedinge wählen und alle Stunden nach ihm zählen. Du legst es auf, der Schirbenstag, 
heißt es und glaub es ganz gewiss, dass ich aus meinem Grabe ganz einen sichern Zugang zu dem Vater habe. Mein Tod ist nur ein Schlaf, dadurch der Leib, der hier von Sorgen abgenommen zur Ruhe kommen. Such nun ein Hirte sein verlorene Schaf. Wie sollte Jesus mich nicht wiederfinden, da ihr mein Haut und ich seid Kleid was So kann ich nun mit frohen Seelen mein Seelig auferstehen auf meinem heiligen of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language combined with the gift of song has given to humanity so that they should proclaim the word of God through music. We thank the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium under the direction of Dr. Scott Ellen Jarrett for helping us to proclaim God's word this morning. Welcome again to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this soggy November morning. Uh, we want to extend a warm welcome to those of us, those of you joining us from the annual conference of the American Academy of Religion and the Society of Biblical Literature, including BU alumni. As always, we are glad to have our entire Marsh community join us in person, over the radio or internet, or later via the podcast. Uh, just a few announcements for this week. Due to the Thanksgiving holiday later this week, uh, regular Marsh Chapel fellowship activities have been canceled on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Chapel offices will be closed Thursday and Friday in observance of the holiday. Advent is just two weeks away, which means our annual Advent devotional is also on its way. 
For those of you who have previously participated in our Advent devotional series, you should have received an email from Marsh Chapel this morning uh, reminding you that it is coming up, and it means that you're already on our email list for the Advent devotional. Um, this, year's, this year's theme is There is a Season, reflecting on seasons of contrast in our lives, silence and speaking, parting and embracing, grief and joy. If you are not already on our devotional email list, please visit the chapel website at bu.edu chapel. For all other news and announcements, uh, please visit Marsh Chapel's social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, let us remember that it is a gift and a joy to be a giver.
parent, your generosity knows no limits and has no bounds. We give to the church because it first gave to us. We serve our brothers and our sisters because we have received generosity from others. We love you because you first loved us. The interconnectedness of life requires that we both receive humbly and give generously. Lord, please accept our heartfelt offering as a token of our adoration for you and what you create. Amen.
with glad hearts we depart this place, sanft und stille, meek and quiet. Hear the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.